Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. Due to the rising number of COVID cases in our area, we are once again having church online only. For the easiest way to keep up with the latest information about New Hope 365, you can download our app by searching New Hope Round Rock in your favorite app store. And now, here is today's message. Well, I am thrilled this morning to be able to connect with you and teach you from the Word of God and teach you what God has been speaking to my heart in this uh, season and in this time of a pandemic and political unrest and all of those types of things. So I, w- I just want to welcome you to uh, today to just let the Spirit of God minister to you, speak to you, and, and I pray that He will transform your life in an awesome and powerful, powerful way. I want to say a word of prayer as we uh, move forward in this series uh, that is called Reality, the Battle Between Good and Evil. I want to say a prayer because I know right now that the message and the content that I've been sharing for some weeks is a message that the enemy does not want to get out, doesn't want to make it to homes, doesn't want to make it into the business community, and definitely doesn't want to make it into your life. So I'm going to say a word of prayer. Bow your head and and close your eyes, please. Heavenly Father, I thank you today that you're in control and that I'm not. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that we can trust you And you, O God, are faithful beyond faithful. I pray right now that the message that I'm speaking would, God, penetrate the hearts and the lives of my brothers and sisters in you, Jesus. That it would penetrate their hearts. And if in any way they're discouraged or beat up, feeling defeated, I pray, God, that there would be breakthrough, supernatural breakthrough, occurring even at this moment even at this moment so thank you jesus thank you and your awesome and mighty name god i pray and we pray amen and amen the reason i have chosen this topic to address and speak to uh, for weeks and even for weeks to come yet is because you don't have to look very far to see the results of the unseen realm impacting the seen realm. You do not have to look far whatsoever. And I know there are those, there may, even you, you may be questioning, really, is there this supernatural unseen realm that's impacting the seen realm? But I look, I look at it like this. You don't see the wind, but you see the effects of the wind, Right? You see when the wind comes through and you see the trees bent and in certain cases, whether it's uh, tropical storms or hurricanes or tornadoes, you see the effects of it. And in the same way right now, what's going on in our culture with political unrest, with pandemic, and I'm going to even go a few steps further, even beyond the riots, which are all results of the unseen impacting the seen realm, and they're thrilled, the unseen realm and the demonic is thrilled that all of these things are taking place, and, and they're hoping that our eyes will be taken off of Jesus. They're hoping that our, that our mind will be put onto the things that are occurring, and the fear that the enemy wants to grip us with, he's got it all around us. 
And here's one of the things too that I know as, I've, as I'm teaching through this. I see the effects of what's being posted on social media and, and in, the, in the news and environments. It's not just the one party against another party or, or, or one group against another group. It's even infiltrated into the church. It's infiltrated into the church where there is backbiting and people saying, well, you can't think that way or you can't do this or, or even the church is posting things that are belittling to culture, belittling to families and hurting and damaging people by what they're saying. And I want you to know today that that is not of God. And those that are making the comments and posting the things unbeknown to so many the influence of the unseen realm is behind that. I know over the years, starting from the day that I entered ministry, I became increasingly aware of supernatural spiritual warfare occurring. Uh, there was a season in which Angel and I were doing student ministries in Wisconsin. And in the season of doing the, that ministry, Prayer times were powerful. Worship times were powerful. We had started doing ministry in some of the local schools in the greater Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. And we were seeing God bring deliverance. We were seeing God bring healing and transformation. And one day, a gal showed up on our doorstep. And that gal showed up on our doorstep. And her name, well, I won't even name her, but she showed up on our doorstep fully possessed by demons. And I'll never forget having her, as she came into the building, and people were talking about this woman more than likely is possessed by the devil. And Angel and I went and we took her into the auditorium, and it was just me, my pastor, and my wife, Angel. And we began to pray over this woman that God would liberate her and free her. And as we began to pray that supernatural, powerful prayer of God over her, she began to drool and spit and say words that I'm not going to say here today. And she began to uh, curse all of us as to what we were doing. And we stayed there for some time. I don't know exactly how much time, but to the point where she was liberated. And that moment, I began to realize when breakthrough be is, is in the air, when potential revival and transformation is in the air, the enemy is wanting to come in and sabotage that. Always wanting to sabotage that. And so it was after that that uh, we watched as seasons of ministry went by and I would go and I would do even missions trip and I remember being in Africa and preaching and, and speaking, and I would see out in the crowd as there were particular individuals making signals and signs that were meant to be like curses against me and or our team as we were preaching and praying. And so we would actually, actually, as we learned that, we would set a team up that would go behind the scenes and would be praying for breakthrough so that the enemy would not have his way as we were preaching freedom and truth and miracles and all the things that is good in Scripture. And from God. And so I, I have seen the effects of the unseen, unseen realm trying to affect the seen realm. And, and I've, had to be, I've had to be on alert continually, day in and day out. Not phobic, but just spiritually in tune. If today 
you're feeling beat up, and if today you are one of those individuals that has been beating up other people or bashing and posting things that are, that are, are like off, just offbeat and not God-honoring, I would encourage you to get into the Word of God, and I would encourage you today to, to recalibrate your thoughts to what God has to say versus just what everybody else has to say. And He will change and He will renew your mind. With that, I've often been asked in talking about the supernatural and the unseen realm and the demonic, can a Christian become demon-possessed? Can a Christian become demon-possessed? So I want to talk about the effect of that in this moment, and I can tell you this, that for a non-Christian, it is possible to give oneself over to sin. It's possible for you, uh, as a non-Christian, um, to let evil go to the extent that an unclean spirit takes up residence in you and controls you and has ownership over you. But some people go, no, that's not true. That can't happen. No, that's weird. The people are just twisted. They're mentally ill or whatever. But with that, I would say the New Testament Gospels in the Bible are filled with reports of Jesus' ministry of deliverance. And we need that in North America today. And we need that in our neighborhoods, in our communities. We need the ministry of deliverance from Jesus by the power of His Holy Spirit to ripple through our homes. And, and here's the deliverance of Jesus. And interesting, it, there was no occurrences that we see in the Old Testament of demons being cast out of people. And then when we get to the New Testament, we see the occurrence of Jesus. The first point of deliverance in the demonic being taken care of was through Jesus. He set the tone and the pace for us as it relates to deliverance. Matthew 4.24 says this. Here's illustrations of Christ. People with every kind of sickness or disease were brought to him. Some of them had a lot of demons in them. Others were thought to be crazy, and still others could not walk. But Jesus healed them all. Matthew chapter 8, verses 16, verse 16. That evening, many people with what? Demons were brought to Jesus, and with only a word, he forced out the evil spirits and healed everyone who was sick. Matthew chapter 9, verses, uh, uh, chapter 9, verses 32 through 33. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, some people brought to him a man who could not talk because a demon was in him. And after Jesus had forced the demon out, the man started talking, and the crowds were amazed, saying, nothing like this has ever happened in Israel. Matthew chapter 12 verse 22 says, some people brought to Jesus a man who was blind and could not talk. Imagine that. You are blind and cannot speak because evil has taken up residence in you by a demon and therefore you, you are totally at the disposal of that demon. And Jesus healed the man and then he was what? Able to talk and see. Suddenly, and this is in Matthew 15, 22 and verse 28. Suddenly a Canaanite woman from, the, from there came out shouting, Lord, son of David, have pity on me. My daughter 
is full of demons. So we can see here that it's not just in some cases there's a demon, in other cases there are demons. And Jesus answered, Dear woman, you really do have a lot of faith, and you will be given what you want. At that moment, her daughter was healed. Matthew 17, verse 18 says, Then Jesus spoke sternly to the demon, and it went out of a boy, and right then he was healed. So the Bible is very clear that demonic spirits can overcome some non-Christians to the point that they suffer mental and physical anguish. Let me clarify though. Not all mental and physical anguish is a result of the demonic realm. But, it's, but some of it is, and we need to take that into consideration and be tuned in to those things that are around us. In such circumstances where we're trying to discern or understand, it could be a doctor is there to serve the body, a counselor is there to what? Serve the mind. And then the power of God is there to deliver the soul so that the whole person can be healed and completely restored. So, can a Christian, can a Christian be demon-possessed? The Oxford English Dictionary gives three definitions of the word possess. First, it is have as belonging to one to own. Second definition, have possession of as distinct from ownership. Have as an ability, quality, or characteristic. So I'm going to work off of those definitions. And definition number one is this. In the first sense, where it says have as belonging to one or own, meaning the word possess, to have or to own, in that sense, a Christian cannot belong to Satan. He cannot own us. Isn't that encouraging? I mean, today to know that Satan cannot possess your soul and rule you. In fact, Colossians 1.13 says that God rescued us from the dark power of Satan and brought us into the kingdom of his dear son. Acts chapter 26, verse 18 says, I want you, O God, to open their eyes so that they will turn from darkness to light and from the power of what? Satan to God. Scripture ripples with the reality of us, those that give their life to Jesus, being of Christ and not being of the devil. Romans 8, 38 through 39. If you're wondering, can a Christian be possessed? Here's great scripture for this. I am sure that nothing can separate us from what? God's love. Not life or death, nor angels, nor spirits, nor the present or the future, and not powers above or powers below. Nothing in all creation can separate us from God's love for us in Christ Jesus our Lord. Be encouraged to know that nothing can separate you, my brothers and my sisters, from the love of God. You are His. You are His child. Then, Ephesians 1, verses 13 through 14 says, In Him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed. 
you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. It's like if, if, if one was to have their own signet stamp and they were to seal something in an envelope and, 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 and seal it and put their stamp on it, it's a stamp that says, this is from me. This is important. This identifies the fact that I'm the one sending this off. And if somebody is to see that, they go, wow, they must be a representative of the one who sealed the letter. In the same way, our Heavenly Father has in a spiritual supernatural way sealed and and you I did when when literally when the unseen realm looks at the seen realm of the brothers and sisters of Jesus they see it's like the signet the stamp the seal of the holy spirit on them what does that mean that means that they cannot snatch you away from our heavenly father you are his but I'll tell you this, that um, wh- where's the safest place for babies? We, we, are, we are almost empty nesters, but we have had babies um, o- over the years, four to be exact, in our home. And, and I remember when they were little, you know, all cute, and, you know, it, but they do grow up. I'm just going to say they grow up and they, you know, they, get, they get hairy and they get mouthy and all of that type of stuff. But, but okay, apart from that, the reality is, is that those babies that we would hold we would bring close to us and, and we would even allow them to at times sleep with us and the safest place for, that, for, those, for our children and for our babies was in our arm we cradled them and they knew they knew that no harm or at least sensed that no harm could potentially come to them it's a great word picture and it comes out of John chapter 10 verses 28 through 29 it says Jesus speaking, and I give eternal life to them, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand, like nobody was going to take our babies and snatch them out of our hand because there would have been a big brawl, there would have been a big fight, Mama Bear would have gone crazy, and so would Daddy Bear, and all that. And so, in the same way, no one can snatch out of the hand of God, my Father who has given them to me, that is us, his children, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So, can a Christian be demon-possessed? The answer is no. Now, the second definition is to have possession as, of, as distinct from ownership. Let me repeat that. To have possession of as distinct from ownership. So a Christian can be internally influenced by Satan and the demons that are in the unseen realm trying to impact the seen realm. There, that can happen. And the, the, that they can influence internally um, without ownership of their soul being transferred to the devil. So here's, here's how I would paint the picture. You live in an apartment or a house or a condo or wherever it is you live, and you have the legal right to live there, to dwell there. And, and so, all of a sudden, one day, there's some bad people, some criminals, you know, that, that want to get in your house, and you decide foolishly that you're going to open up the front door and let them come in. And, and little did you know 
that when you opened up the door and let them in, that they were going to become squatters and that they were going to remain there and they were going to cause all kinds of pain and grief. Uh, and you open the door for me, you're like, oh my goodness, how could I have done this? They're, 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 they make life so miserable and this is awful to even live here. But they possess no legal right to be there. They possess no legal right. They are willing to squat until you exercise what? Your legal authority and demand that they vacate your home. So you call the authorities. You do whatever it takes to make sure that those that you had opened the door for and are causing all kinds of misery are taken and put out of your place of residence. So... It's like what we do when we open up the door to the enemy. On rare occasions, through habitual sin, deep unbelief, dark addiction, occult activity, a Christian can open their life and open the door to internal demonic influence that has no legal right or authority. And here's the good news, and can be evicted in Jesus' name can be evicted. Let me give you an illustration. Acts chapter 5 verses 1 through 3 New Testament. This is at the beginning of the New Testament church. The Holy Spirit had descended upon the, the, the church. There had been thousands baptized. The Spirit of God had come and they were selling their possessions. They were, they were uh, collecting resources to help take care of everybody in need at that, and, 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 and they would continue to do that. And there was a man, it says in Acts chapter 5, verse 1, named Ananias and his wife Sapphira. And they sold a piece of property and kept back some of the price for himself with his wife's full knowledge. And bringing a portion of it, he laid it at the apostles' feet. But, get this, Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled you in your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back some of the price of the land? And the story goes on that Ananias, in that moment, died. Later on, his wife, Sapphira, comes in, does, says the same thing, lying dead. Now, you go, well, why? What's the deal with that? That's, there's been all kinds of debate. Were they truly Christians? Were they believers? Maybe they were frauds. Maybe they were fakes. Whatever. I don't know. All that I know is that they were dead. And what Peter says there is, why did you give an open door to Satan? And I wonder if in that moment, in the time that Ananias and Sapphira were plotting about what they were going to do, they had already committed to God, and Satan had come in and snatched out the truth and the rightness and the goodness, snatched it out, and they bought it hook, line, and sinker. And in the, in the launch of the New Testament church, our Heavenly Father set a standard that said, you'll deal with consequence if you live as a fraud. You'll live as con with consequence if you try to think that you can deceive the Holy Spirit. There's no deceiving. I could get into all kinds of thoughts as to why this occurred. I won't do that other than I know it was a tragic, tragic moment. Christians, though, can open themselves up to the internal influence of demonic powers through participating in evil 
when they know that they should not, but they still belong to God and they are still God's possession. So the question I would have for you, what doors have you left open? What areas have you not dealt with that you need to deal with? Areas of anger, deceit, pride, dealing with lies, covetousness, things that uh, there, there are even those that I hear out and about that church isn't that big a deal anymore. It's a lie from the enemy and he would love to deceive you into thinking that the church and the gathering and the times and what God is doing isn't that big a deal. And it is. Our Heavenly Father has established it for such a great purpose. And I want you to know today that if you're wondering why you're feeling these different things in different areas of your life, it's probably some doors you've left open. So, I'm going to pray before we leave today and before uh, we turn things off, I'm going to pray that God will help you to deal with that. So, definition number three, it's this, it, you know, in, when you're talking about um, being possessed, is it, has, it says, has an, as an ability, quality, or characteristic. Has as an, ability, as an ability, quality, or characteristic. In the third sense of the word possess, it is possible for us as Christians to manifest demonic character and say things that are of demonic origins. So literally there are things that I have posted and there's things that I have said to Angel or said to our children or I've said to other people that the behind the scenes there's an influence that are that there's something that's been birthed out of the mind of the devil that is coming forth out of my mouth. And that's why we have to be diligent to know what is right and good and true. It's like this in Matthew 16, 21 through 23. From the time that Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Think about that. He's, these, these disciples that were following Jesus and saw him as the miracle worker the healer, this leader that, that uh, could command things and demons and, and, and cast out demons and, and he, he was growing in more power and influence and they're like, that's what we're following and we're following him and he goes, hey, I'm going to die. I'm going to be turned over to authorities. And then Peter pipes in and he says this, as Peter took him aside it's like he takes him over and he's like Jesus I have to have a conversation with you right now and Peter says rebuked him saying God forbid it Lord God forbid it Lord this shall never happen to you you will not die you can buy it and what it is is Satan is speaking through Peter to basically say Jesus you there's you don't have to go through the sorrow you don't have to go through the suffering you don't have there's another way that you can go about it to which our Heavenly Father knows that that is a complete lie and it's deceit and it's the enemy behind Peter and he turns to Peter Jesus turns to Peter and says get behind me Satan can you imagine can you imagine that if somebody if if you were having a conversation with somebody and they look at you and go get behind me Satan would that offend you 
I think it actually might offend me. But of course, Jesus being the rabbi and being the teacher, he turns and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. So a Christian can be lied to, tempted by, can be what? Can be attacked by Satan just as Jesus Christ was. However, it is impossible for a demon to possess or own a believer as its possession. So, while, while God cannot lose a Christian, a person can fake, though, having faith. I don't know if you've ever met a fake. I wonder if there's anybody listening who would say, I'm a Christian, but really, I'm a fake. I think our Heavenly Father today would like to make right that fake, take care of that fakeness, and in faith you come to Him and He will transform your life. You don't have to live as a fake. But in Scripture we read of a man, his name was Judas. In John chapter 12, verse 6, the story is that there was perfume poured on the feet of Jesus. And Judas, the treasurer of the disciples as they would travel, he looks and he says, why would you in any way take that perfume that's like worth a year's wages and use it like that? We could actually take it, sell it, and give the money to the poor. <laughs> and so, it says, now he said this, not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief. And he, as he headed the money box he used to pilfer what was put in it. Another one was Luke chapter 22, verse 3. This is tied to Judas. Satan entered into Judas, who was called Iscariot, and he was belonging to the twelve, but he was filled with a devil. And then, John chapter 17, verse 12, Jesus speaking about the safety of his disciples, and he says... I protected them, and I kept them safe. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, or what is known as the son of perdition. So, with that, I want you to understand today that there are those that do fake, and there are those that uh, would have a look and a feel that they are a follower of Christ, but we will know those Christians by their what? by their fruit, not just their name. And that's why we look for that fruit. We look for that fruit in the marketplace. We look for that fruit in our home. We look for that fruit um, uh, in, in, in our social media and online. And, and we're looking for the fruit. And hopefully that will encourage each of us as we see it. For the real Christian, there is no excuse for permitting internal influence of the demonic forces. The problem, I've come to the conclusion that the problem is not demons so much, but it's ultimately us. We cannot control what demons do, but we can control what we do since this is what James 1.14 says. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Okay, but here, here's encouraging. We don't stop there. 
1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So, you are not just left out there. Good luck. Hope you make it. You know, your little, your little child at two years old, you go, you know, think about how foolish that would be if we were to take our little toddler, open the front door, let him out and go, hey, good luck. Good luck. Hope you can make it. If, if we as, as, as parents, if we don't do that and we have evil tendencies and we by our nature are sinful, how much more does our heavenly father take care of us, look out for us, and help us through the attacks, the temptation, the struggles, all that, that will come our way. We have Jesus. So, um, this, is, this is a big deal. No temptation is overcome, but we will be able to endure. Our Heavenly Father will help us. Become a Christian. Kind of to give you a final picture here. Becoming a Christian is both receiving Jesus and doing what? Rejecting Satan. Receiving Jesus and rejecting Satan. The Old Testament, Day of Atonement, what would happen? There were two animals that were sacrificed. The first animal that was sacrificed symbolized sinlessness and died as a substitute for a sinner's showing the receiving of Jesus. And the second animal was a scapegoat in which they would lay their hands on the scapegoat and put place, spiritually place those sins on that scapegoat and send that scapegoat out into the wilderness. And that was symbol, a symbol of saying we are not only accepting the perfect spotless lamb, Jesus, but we are also saying we are going to reject this sin, send it out in the wilderness, and that's where the devil goes. Interesting that the culture then saw or thought that that's where evil spirits dwelt was in the wilderness because they would send the scapegoat out into the wilderness. And where was Jesus led after he was filled with the Spirit and the launch of his ministry? He was sent out into the wilderness to be tempted by who? the devil himself. And so this occurs, and it's showing that this, that this uh, and, and it's showing the, the saving grace of Jesus. It's, it's paving the way for what? The gospel to be proclaimed, to s- the sin to be removed, and our Savior redeeming us. And so here's the key, the wrap-up today. The key to living free from demonic influence as a Christian is this. Number one, you must receive Jesus Christ and his defeat of the demonic. And number two, you must renounce any ground you give to the demonic through such things as sin, rebellion, unbelief, pride, lovelessness, and the list could go on and on. In fact, I think that as we baptize people, as we actually will get back together at some point in history, and we baptize people, I think it would be fitting 
not only to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, and baptize in the name of the water, but for us to hear and for those to proclaim, I not only receive Jesus and his power in and through me, but I reject the work of the enemy and I ask for forgiveness and I send it out as far as what? The east is from the west, the north of the south. It's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone, it's gone. And so, James 4, 7 says this, Submit therefore to God, that is what? Receive Jesus. Resist the devil, that is to renounce Satan, and he will flee from you. So how do we today, what, do, what is it that we need to do in culture in the 21st century in August of 2020? We have got to stay alert. Our adversary, the devil, understands that his time is growing short, and that the and that and with that, Jesus is coming soon, and the enemy wants to destroy and kill and hurt and damage anybody that he can, and the church does not need to be a place of division, a people that are not united, but a people that are alert and focused on what is good and right, knowing the truth, reading the word of God, digging in, so that when the things come around, when the fear and the anger and the anxiety and the, and the riots and the backstabbing and the political jargon and all the dissension and divisiveness that is being birthed in the unseen realm, infecting the seen realm, that we are going, we know where it comes from and we're not buying it. We're not buying it. We're not buying into this this twisted, unseen, satanic thinking because we are children of God. And what and what? People are like, you know, hey, it's like, well, we're fighting for freedom and we're right and we know we're right. But Jesus was right. Right? And what did he do? I'm going to kill Caesar. No. Jesus came to do what? Save America! No. Jesus came to save the world. And he is about saving humanity from the enemy in the unseen realm that is impacting the seen realm. Because here's the deal. People can take our homes and take our things and take our nation, but they can't take. They can't take salvation. They can't take the grace of God over the church and over the children. And it is time for us, the church, to stand up for what? For freedom! Okay, freedom's good. But what is better? That none would perish and enter eternity apart from God. And he and the enemy knows that if he can distract us, and if he can keep us doing the things that he wants us to do, and our eyes focus on everything else, that he wins, and he takes a whole lot of people with him to hell, and there's a whole lot of collateral damage and carnage. But God, through Jesus, established the church, and the church's hope for a culture so badly in need of redemption, freedom, saving grace, you name it, 
And you have, you have through Jesus, by the power of the Spirit, what it takes if you will just grow to understand your identity in Him. And that comes through the reading of Scripture, getting alone with God, praying, worshiping, like we sang, and, you know, Jesus, we're singing today, Jesus, you, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, <laughs> you, you take out fear. Jesus, I mean, this is, so, okay, bow your head and close your eyes. As today, I will pray over you, and I pray that God will continue to give you fresh vision for your life as a follower of his, as a child, for your family, for your friends. Heavenly Father, I pray for your church to stay alert. I pray for your church to not go to sleep. Wake us up. God, help us to focus on what's right and good in the midst of a lot that's going on in culture. Help us, God, not to get distracted and to grow weary because you said in due season we will reap a harvest if we don't faint. And we need you, God. I pray as well over those listening as well as those, God, that will listen later. I pray that if they've opened the door to the devil, if they've opened the door to the demonic through their decisions and choices, through what, whatever it is, I pray today that you said if we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We do not have to let sin squat in our homes and in our temples. We do not. We can, God, by your authority through Jesus Christ, we can renounce those things that the enemy has brought into our lives, turn away from evil, and God, run to you. So I pray right now, if there's anybody that is listening and as I'm praying for that needs to do that, don't wait another minute. Confess your sins. Deal with it. Talk to somebody. You can, me you can message me, whatever, but don't let time pass so that Satan has a foothold in your life because we want to be, as the Word of God says, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. He's free indeed. So, thank you, Jesus. This is all for your glory. Transform your church. I look forward to the weeks and months and years to come until we meet you, Jesus. Thank you. In your awesome and mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you're today giving your life to Jesus, rededicating your life to Jesus. You are, you are wanting to confess things that you need to deal with and renounce the enemy. You can go up, if you're a church online right now, online church, you can click on next steps um, and you can uh, kind of walk through things that will help you to get on track and give your life to Jesus and watch as he transforms you. You can also personal message me, email me at info at newhope365.us and I will help you uh, on this journey towards what we say is Christ-centered wholeness. So whether you're listening later on any platform, any type of uh, social platform, we want you to know that we will follow up with you and we won't let you have to sit alone. We will go with you on the journey of transformation for you, your family, and those that would like that in your life. That being said, God bless you, and uh, I can't wait to see and hear the breakthrough that God is doing. Take care.
Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website for all the latest news and announcements for New Hope 365. We have added some temporary buttons to our homepage to make it quick and easy for you to request prayer, sign up for our email list, see current needs and opportunities to serve, as well as give. You can find it all at newhope365.church. That's newhope, the numbers 365.church.